So every year as we gather together on Harvest Sunday, I, I'm filled with all kinds of, of thoughts and emotions and questions and hopes and dreams of, of what we can do. And then I always think about the goal that the IMT has set for this church in prayerful reflection. And I think, man, that's just too much money. Right? There's, there's a part of me that's always filled with hope and optimism, and there's a part of me that always thinks that, that the surest thing you do if you set a goal is you fall short of it. And every year I'm proven wrong. Right? Every year I'm proven wrong. And you'd think I'd learn to trust that when we gather our resources together as God's people, God then takes what we offer and is able to do things beyond any realistic expectation that I might have. I mean, even if it's going to take the rest of my life for God to cure my pessimism, or I call it realism, but you know, <laughs> right? Every year we have this opportunity where our, I, I, just speaking for myself, my, my, my sense of faith and trust in God is always deepened. My sense of gratitude for this church, it always grows, Right? When I think about, you know, what does it mean for us to be a church that belongs to Jesus? Well, one of the things that better mean year in and year out is that we give sacrificially for the mission. That that, that doesn't change when the economy changes or when the, the situations we find ourselves at times going through or other times feeling like we're stuck in, that we our, our commitment. Our sense of being able to partner with God for things that are, are more than just what would happen in this building, in this place, right? That that's at the heart of what it means to be a gathered family of believers. You know, throughout Scripture, there's various places. As much as I'm hesitant at times to, to talk about giving, Jesus is never hesitant. As much as I might want to you know, find some way for us to kind of sneak up on the topic of giving in ways that are sacrificial enough, it alters how we spend the rest of our money, and I know how that can be, you know, thin ice that I'm kind of, well, I don't skate, but you know, walk across. We find time and again throughout Scripture that there's this confidence that the God who knows what we need will always meet our needs, and more than that, will through us use us, empower us to help meet the needs of other people. And that something, something happens in our giving, in the very act of deciding, not being forced, right, but, but choosing, deciding that we want to be a part of helping the, the, the generosity of God to be something that other people get to experience, that when we're a part of that, it blesses us beyond anything we could ever fully describe to anybody else. Right? That it really is more blessed to give than to receive. Now you could say that, but the only way you really get to feel it is when you choose to become a part of that. So I want us to read together in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul's talking about, he's actually pulling together a collection from various congregations so that he can bless 
the, the church in Jerusalem, right? So it's very similar to, to different churches, different Christians saying, you know what? We want to gather together and we want to give not only to bless our own community, our own church, but beyond that. We want to have a bigger dream, a bigger vision that includes the entire world. He writes, God has the power to provide you with more than enough of every kind of grace, of every kind of gift, right? So when he says that God will provide you with more than enough, he means in every single way, in in every resource, not only in the resources that you and I tend to label as spiritual, he means in every way. That way you're going to have everything you need always and in everything to provide more than enough for every kind of good work. Now, he's not accidentally repeating the phrase more than enough. He knows we live in a world that's constantly telling us there's not enough. Right? There's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough land. There's not enough love. There's not enough kindness. There's not enough patience. Whatever it is, right? Our world is convinced there's not enough. We, we serve a God. We believe in a God. We rely on a God of more than enough. As it is written, he scattered everywhere. He gave to the needy. His righteousness remains forever. The one who supplies seed for planting and bread for eating will supply and multiply your seed and will increase your crop, which is righteousness. Now, we've talked about this before, but I'm going to say it again. When the word righteousness occurs in Scripture, it's not just personal holiness or personal purity. It's helping God make the world right again. It's always relational, and it's always more than just me and my standing before God. So if the crop is righteousness, the the crop is the church entering in with God, helping the the world be made right again. That's a big vision. That's That's a huge mission. And so what do you say in response to that? Well, okay, that's going to cost a lot of money, Paul. And he says, yeah, well, you're going to be made rich in every way. So that... You can be generous in every way. It's it's not a mystery of why God pours blessings into our lives. It's so that the gifts that we have been given that are entrusted to us, we will freely share with other people whenever we have an opportunity. Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. Your ministry of this service to God's people isn't only fully meeting their needs, but it's also multiplying in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. People thank God because of what you're doing. People see God differently because of what you're doing. People experience God in deeper, richer, better ways because of your giving. Right? They'll give honor to God for your obedience to your confession of Christ's gospel. They'll do this because this generosity, right, this giving, provides evidence of your obedience. And every time I, I hear the phrase, evidence of your obedience, I think of that, that old song, Trust and Obey. Right? It's, it's not the most exciting phrase, evidence of your obedience. But it's interesting that here in 2 Corinthians, Paul is saying, generosity with everything you have, is proof that you're turning more and more into people who look like Jesus. It's the visible, tangible evidence that God is at work in your life. 
Right? And because of your generosity and sharing with them with everyone, they will also pray for you and they will care deeply for you because of the outstanding grace that God has given to you. Thank God for his gift that words can't describe. You know, just like Jesus, Paul doesn't seem to be nervous when it comes to talking about how our relationship with God is supposed to, it's supposed to transform our relationship to the things God gives us. Because again, what matters more than anything else, what you and I need more than anything else, it's not the things God can give us in addition to himself, it, it's God. Now, in addition to the relationship we have with God, God says, you know what, I'd like for you to partner with me. I'd like this relationship between you and me, I'd like it to include more than just the two of us. I want it to include everybody. And so, in order for for this relationship to grow, I'm going to pour all of this good stuff in your life. In fact, I'm going to pour so much of it into your life, it's going to be obvious to you that you weren't meant to hold on to all of it for yourself. You're going to know that there's plenty more where that came from. And so you're going to part with with it. You're you're going to give it away. And it's not going to be painful. It's It's not going to be wounding to you to be generous. It's going to change you into somebody who gets to experience the unique blessing that only comes on the other side of generosity. And you only get to taste it. You only get to experience it if you trust me enough to do it. Right? God has the power to provide us with more than enough. That's what Paul is saying over and over. And the question is, why? Why would God give you more than enough? Well, because he has this dream that you get to be a part of if you're willing. Again, I know it's hard to overcome the voices inside our hearts and in our minds that I think find a home there from outside, outside of ourselves, but it's everywhere around us in our world that just keeps telling you, you've got to look out for yourself. Nobody else is going to. You've got to hold on to what you have because you may lose it all in a second and then you may not have any way forward. That, that kind of worldview that, that kind of outlook where we're running afraid that we're going to run out, right? Where, where a preacher gets up and says to a church, let's set a goal for missions, but let's make it lower so that I don't worry about it, right? That's not what God has in mind for us. God says, do you believe me when I tell you that I have the power to give you more than you need and I promise to give you more than you need? I just want you to share it. Because it's not good for you to hold on to it all for yourself. It doesn't give you confidence. It doesn't grow your trust. It doesn't doesn't change your life in the ways that I want to change your life. God wants you and I to have a life beyond fear of what's going to happen next. And then decide that we're on our own trying to navigate whatever it is that's going to happen next. No, God is with us now meeting our needs. And God will be with us then meeting our needs. And through us meeting the needs of others. God works this miracle in us where he makes it possible for us to give ourselves for the sake of the world. Everything that makes us who we are, God says, yeah, that's a part of your generosity. Just like Jesus says, you know, I'm not just giving you bread and I'm not just giving you wine, I'm giving you me. This is is me, my body, my blood, 
He's asking us to be that generous, to not find places in our souls and in our lives where we say, well, this is off limits, God. This makes me too nervous. This stresses me out too much. I'd rather you take these things from me. You know what? Take my time, but don't take my money. Take my talent, but don't ask me to do things that I'm I'm not already great at because I don't like to feel like I'm trying something new and I might embarrass myself. I, I could keep going on with this, right? If Jesus, in saving us, he says the only way I can save you is to give myself for you, doesn't it make sense that the only proper response to someone who gives themselves for you is you, you give yourself in return? You know, there's, there's two stories in the Bible that, that I've always loved that, that I was, I was thinking about this morning. It just really, it just hit home. One's in the Old Testament, one's in the New Testament. First Kings, uh, chapter 17. There's this story where the prophet Elijah is, you know, he's going through this this time where it's not just a a time of suffering and trial for him, it's it's a time of suffering and trial for everyone because there's this horrible drought going on. And they're all running out. They're running out of of what they need to keep going. And God sends Elijah to this widow. She's got a son. And all they have left is just a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. It's just enough for what she thinks is going to be their last meal. And so she's out gathering together sticks for the fire to cook this last meal. And God sends Elijah to her And he says to her, I want you to make me a little little loaf of bread first. And she says, do you know what I'm going through? Do you know what I'm facing? I'm out here. I'm preparing to feed my child the last meal that we're ever going to have. Who are you to ask me to share with you? Why would I give you bread first? And Elijah says to her, because of the power of God, because because here's what's going to happen is if you share with me, you're going to keep having enough. Every day you're going to keep having enough. And this, this widow finds the trust. She finds the faith. She relies on the word of the prophet of God and says, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do what you're asking me. I don't understand it. I don't see how it's going to work out. But if you say God's going to take care of us, then I believe it. I'm going to to bet my life on it. And day after day after day, this little bit of oil and this little bit of flour, it never multiplies, but it never goes away. See, now, if, if I were her at some point, I would, have, I would have come to Elijah and I would have said, hey, would it, would it be too much to ask for the entire jar to just fill up overnight with flour, and I, it would make me feel better. You know, I'd sleep better if, if I didn't have to keep coming back and hoping that the little bit that's at the bottom of the jar is going to keep lasting. But see, consistently throughout the story of Scripture, when God's people want to stockpile so they don't have to keep trusting, God says, no, I like it this way. I want you to trust every single day that I'm going to keep taking care of you, that I'm going to keep providing for you, right? And you go to the New Testament, you have a similar story where all these hungry people have gathered around to hear Jesus. And it's 
time for them to eat, and they don't have anything to feed them. And the disciples come to Jesus, John chapter 6, right? And, and they say, look, we got all these hungry people. What do you want us to do? And he says, well, what do you have? What do you, why don't you take care of them? And in John 6, it says, he, he said this because he already knew what he was going to do. And I'm thinking, if, if I found that out later, one of those, I'd be like, man, why'd you have to put us through that? Right? Because he says, you figure it out. How much do you have? And they dig around and they find that they have five loaves and two fish. And they say this to him. Yeah, we have this. And actually, it's a little, little guy that has it. It's his lunch, right? But they take it from him and they say, okay, we've got this one little lunch. What good is this for all of these people? See, they don't know who they're asking that question to. Because five loaves and two fish, it's not just enough. It's more than enough. We get nervous, I get nervous, that if I give in such a way that would alter how I'm able to spend money in the future on myself, on, myself, on the things that I want or the things that I'd like to do, that if I give sacrificially to the point I have to make adjustments, if I give sacrificially to the point where I'm going to have to trust that the God who's been taking care of me will continue to take care of me, I start to feel exposed and vulnerable in a way that I don't like. I'd rather give from an overflow. I don't want to give from what's left at the bottom of the jar. I don't want to have to have five loaves and two fish and look out at this room and say, okay, everybody start lining up. I hope it lasts. Right? Because with us, it's impossible but with God, he gives us this amazing ability where if we will give, we won't run out. I don't know how it's going to work because it's God's work. I can't tell you exactly how that miracle's going to unfold because, after all, it's a miracle. But we're never going to get to experience a life lived in that kind of trust, that miraculous trust, unless we do it. Unless we do it. And then this is the truth that I, I think Paul is trying to drive home in 2 Corinthians 9, and it's a truth that I think you and I need to face, and that is that one of the most essential ways of giving ourselves is by sharing our money. Money, for most of us, matters too much. It just does. We seem to think that money is one of the keys, if not the key, resource that we need to enjoy life. But that's us forgetting that Jesus is what we need. And that Jesus is the one who's made it possible for us to have all of the other things that we need as well. Right? But we have to keep coming back to this truth because our hearts are easily led astray. And on a day like today, it may be tempting for us to think, I hope somebody else in here is going to really dig deep and give because I don't know that I can. I know that feeling. I've been there before. I, uh, you know, I grew up in a preacher's home, and we had various special Sundays growing up. And my, my parents, they were pretty direct about, you know, your dad's not going to get up and ask the church to give sacrificially unless everybody in this family's given up something they don't want to give up. I got to where it was like, I wasn't a cheerful giver. Let's just say it that way. Right? I just felt like it was being taken away from me. And I remember one, one week we were trying to save money so we could give it to, to missionaries halfway across the world. So my mom decided the best way to save money was we were going to eat plain rice and beans, which is what those people could eat for a week to save money. 
It was the longest week of my life. Right? And we saved money at the end. And we gave it to church. And I got to tell you, even though I was unwilling in that experiment, something happened in that worship service where it wasn't just my parents giving for me. I had been a part of what we were sacrificing so that we could give it together. And I'm telling you, it made me, even at, at 12 years old, it made me embarrassed at how entitled and how privileged I was and how little I understood it and how, how much it didn't make sense to me to freely choose to say no to some things I wanted so that my family could say yes to something that was more important. This past week... Lauren and I switch off putting the girls to bed. The one who puts Reese to bed is always up later because it takes Reese a lot longer to go to sleep than Riley. And this one night I was putting Riley to sleep. And she leads us in prayer. And we're just laying there in the dark. And then out of nowhere she says to me, Hey daddy, I've been saving up a bunch of money, my, my spending money, and I... I'm going to give half of it on Harvest Sunday. Is that okay? I've saved $100. I want to give $50. Is that okay? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a little more than okay. Right? It's, it's the kind of heart we should have, all of us, where nobody has to make us. We want to. We want to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. We want to be a part of seeing something that, that God can use the resources we have. Look, there's a lot of, of challenges to having a church with several hundred people in it. There's a lot of logistical challenges. There's, you know, we can't possibly have a, a worship service that scratches every, everybody's preferences, the itch that you have to sing that one song in that one way. Like we, there's a lot of things you have to sacrifice when you have a church with this many people in it. You know one of the, the best things about gathering several hundred Christians together? It's all of us giving sacrificially for something that's not just about us. And we get to see God do something amazing with it. That's what today's about. And, and if, if Riley can come to the place on her own to say, I want to sacrifice so that I can be a part of that, man, I would hope every single one of us can find something that we can give. If it's not today, then in the weeks to come, so that we get to a place where we look at the goal we set and we smile in amazement that God basically says to us, I love you. But you guys think way too small. Okay, so we're going to give now. And there's two ways, as, as with everything in our world now. There's the online version, and then there's the in-person version. So if you want to give online for Harvest Sunday, just make sure that when you go there, either on your phone or on your computer, that you choose the Missions OL Fund. Right? We want all of this stuff to go in the right place so that we know uh, where your gift is, is supposed to go. If you're going to, in addition to giving one time, you want to pledge, then go to sohillschurch.org harvest, and you have an online pledge card, and it's basically just an electronic version of the pledge card that you should have uh, within reach, the, the pledge card that you may have to tear off of our bullets in this morning, um, and so let's just walk through kind of how this works. 
The, the money that we give today is not a part of the pledge amount, right? Those are gifts. Uh, but if you're going to give beyond today and, and you want us to be able to plan our generosity towards our, our mission, fi- missionary families and our mission work and all of that, it's helpful for us to know that, right? So we have two uh, just kind of default uh, different types of giving, right? Weekly or monthly. So let's say you were going to give, you and your, your spouse were going to give us a million dollars today. You would break it up into a 52-week amount, and Stephen has helpfully done the math for you there. So $19,231, okay? Uh, if you're going to give it monthly, obviously you just do slightly different math. So, you know, $83,000 each month for 12 months. Or you can also choose... a. a kind of a frequency of giving that makes the most sense for your budget. So maybe it's quarterly, maybe it's some other way. We want to be as flexible as possible in terms of you giving, uh, but also in terms of us being able to plan. So the only thing that you write on these pledge cards is what you're going to give in the future. You don't also write on the pledge the gift that you're giving today. Are we clear about that? The reason this is really important is Cindy Varner, our accountant, is going to do her very best today to start counting and give us a preliminary number, and the, the more clear all this can be, the faster you and I get to find out uh, the good news of how God is working among us, okay? So, you fill that out either in person or online, and then you make sure, right, that in addition to the ways we want to be financially generous that we're holding our missionary families and what they're doing in our hearts, that we're praying for them, that we're, we're bringing them to the Father and asking God to continue to work through them. We need to be praying for our, our IMT, the, the volunteer committee of members here that help us think through how we can best use the funds that you're giving. Um, we want to make sure that this is something we're doing with all of who we are. And our money is an essential part of who we are, but it's not all of who we are. So how are you going to invest, both financially and spiritually this year, uh, in the coming year, 2022, so that we can be a part of what God is doing to make this world of ours right again? What are you going to do? How are you going to be a part? What do you feel like God's leading you to? can't answer any of those questions for you, but I hope that in the next few moments that you are listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life and you think about what is it that you're being called to do. Now, in a moment, we're gonna have, I'm going to ask our IMT members to go ahead and stand. They're, they're going to be holding these easy-to-see Home Depot buckets, and that's where we're going to, as we watch a video here in just a few moments where we're going to get to see our missionary families Um, Just find one of our IMT volunteers and you place your pledge card and any cash or checks, any of the financial gifts that you're going to be bringing uh, this morning. Just find one of them uh, and know that as they're holding these buckets, they're praying, they're entering into prayer with us that God will multiply it, that God will help use what we give to do more than we could ever imagine on our own. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the way God gives. So as Matthew 28 says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. For surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And Harvest Sunday allows the Great Commission 
to flourish throughout all the areas of the world where you are investing into. Hey Southern Hills, we're Matt and Nikki Wallace in Denver, Colorado. Thank you so much for the way that you support our family and this ministry of Dry Bones. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your hair. Good morning, church. Thank you so much for your continued support and blessing to the Comorot Church of Christ. I can, can't tell you how excited I am about the many ways that God is using our mission in San Antonio. For our mission is in the streets, it's in the marketplace, it's wherever we go. And then to be inviting people into our home and allowing them to experience the gospel of Jesus Christ from our mouth and from the mouth of the other leaders in our church. In the last few months, we've really been seeing so many people come to the Lord and be baptized. We've also actually experienced many miracles, seeing people physically healed, and it's just been an amazing experience. And so we just thank you so much for your support and know that you're really a part of this and that these miracles, these salvations, um, there's a good chance they wouldn't be happening if we weren't supported by you guys and able to yeah. be here and doing the work of the Lord. Uh, when I work, Every day, I think in you, in all members, uh, because I work with you, I preach with you, I in, in the construction, I construction with you. We've seen a lot of transformation. Uh, people have been healed. Uh, people came to Jesus, and we are continuing this journey of healing and transforming this community in the name of Jesus. We have women whose lives have been so changed that they've brought their friends. The church has doubled. The women's ministry has quadrupled. You have provided a ministry that was lacking, and I thank you so much for your faithfulness. We feel blessed and honored that you have chosen us as one of your missionaries that you support, and we just pray that you will be blessed beyond uh, because of the offering that you give to us and we are thankful for this partnership that we have with you. Sé que la mayoría tal vez no los conocemos físicamente, pero lo sentimos en nuestros corazones. And we want to tell you that all the effort, your love, your trust is not in vain. Daremos lo mejor de cada uno de nosotros siempre para la gloria y honra del Señor. Thank you because uh, every day I work for God but I you support, you sponsor me. I'm so, so uh, thank you for all. We are so grateful to be in partnership with you all. We love you and we hope to see you soon. We would not have been able to do that without your support. That's why we are here to say thanks from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. May God bless you. So know that each and every investment of finances, of prayer, of relationship, is making a difference in the world and we want to say thank you for that may god bless you in jesus name bye bye, -bye.